You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 206. Tim has GarageBand issues. And hey, what Mac would you replace your Mac with if it died right now? All of that and a whole lot more this episode of Tech Fan. And it is Tech Fan number 205. I'm Tim Robertson, and there's David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. I swear to God, I'm buying a Windows machine. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a guy, guy in the news this week who, who got uh, told off for firing eight bullets into his Windows machine, so maybe you wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. I'm just angry because, just like right at the last second, I, I didn't realize I had the old version of GarageBand on an external hard drive. So I fired up the new version, and I couldn't figure out how to enable multi-track recording. Uh, it, the new GarageBand just sucks, man. It's well, just—it's not new. That's that's point one. I mean, this came out in October 2013 with Mavericks. Well, it should be it, better than it is now. Yeah, but it—it's it, not really been given much love since then. So no, for it sucks. Two and a half years, you know. Uh, well, sorry, one and a half years coming up on two years. It's not really had much uh, much improvements. The old version is a lot better. Thankfully, I had the old version on an external hard drive, so we just fired that up, and, oh, look, everything just worked fine. Didn't have yeah. to even do anything. It just worked. I, the the problem is, is and we would, we've just been talking about this, it actually does 90% of the things the old version does, the version 10, but it... it it seems to have been redesigned such a way it hides most of the functionality. And if you're fam- so even worse, if you're familiar with the old one, you could just can't find how to do stuff. Um, I, I still tend to run GarageBand 6 um, because I've, I find that if I'm doing podcasting, it's mu- just much easier to do that with, uh, with GarageBand 6. I, it's, I'm just I'm dumbfounded, and I'm running 6 as well. I'm dumbfounded mm. that they would take something that just worked and just make it look like the iPad version, and at the same time hide functionality. Makes no sense to me. None. I don't get yeah. it. Uh, well, there seems to be a mindset in Apple nowadays, which is uh, you know surfacing complexity uh, puts users off, and they'd rather not do that. The problem is you are, the risk with that is you end up with very much lowest common denominator software. Yep. Um, 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 and, I, and I think that's fair to say that. This is an extension of what we were talking about last week about Apple's work with the enterprises and uh, the stuff they've done with the Mac Pro um, and the debate we were having about whether Apple's interested in doing that stuff or not. And, and, you know, I think we came to the conclusion they probably weren't. And this is another example of that. Now, they do have a a program called Logic, which does a lot of this stuff, but Logic is more expensive and uh, is, is much more complex. It's a shame that. We used to have a consumer program that could do all of this stuff and do it easily, and now if we want to do it, we have to go and, and buy a pro, a pro version of software that really is, is far far more advanced than you need it to be for, for simple podcasting. Yeah. and But even if you're not just a podcaster, I mean, if you're actually recording your music, let's say you want to, I don't know, play guitar and sing at the same time, good luck figuring out how to do that in a garage band. I spent five minutes and I couldn't find it. I finally said, heck with it. 
looked and found the old version and fired it up and it just works. Yeah. I don't know. I, it just, and I don't want to rehash, rehash the same thing that we talked about last week, but oh my God, it, it is kind of irritating. Yeah. And we did, um, we did get some feedback on that, didn't we? Yeah. From Melissa Pasali. Oh yeah, she and she said she said on Twitter she said maybe Apple realizes they can't be all things to all people and it's time to focus on consumers rather than business. Fair um, enough, but here's the thing: if you've already got these products, why make them worse? Yeah, it does 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 seem to be kind of unintuitive, really. Even if you were if you want to redesign it so it looks different and, and is simpler, then you can do that without taking the functionality away. Hide the functionality away. Put Have a big button that says simple mode, advanced mode. Mm-hmm. And, and advanced mode turns it back into the old one and simple mode doesn't. Um, to me, it, it, it the kind of the redesign, the, the refocus away from, from doing some of these things is is bizarre to me. Uh, and I don't understand it either. Now, now the nice thing about... The Mac is I did I could pull up version six and it works fine under ten ten three right yeah. so at least I can do that uh, you can but still that- do that with Photos and iPhoto if you don't like the new Photos app and you hate it and I know there's a lot of people out there who don't like it you can still use your iPhoto it works fine under the 10, problem 10, 3. is that won't that won't stay the same forever no it won't with with version version 11 or version 12 of uh, of OS 10 that will not be the case yep um and have you point, tried the new photos app i haven't yet really you know what i had a, a weird problem i i have probably a few too many Macs in my life at the moment mm. and keeping everything in sync and keeping my uh, me understanding where i'm up to with the various different things on on them is becoming a bit of a challenge right now oh, plus you just moved yeah, exactly. Because I'm thinking about those sorts of things, I'm not really worrying too much about my computing setup. Um, in fact, most of it, as we talked about last week, is still in boxes. Um, but on my work, my work Mac Mini, uh, it, when it did the Yosemite update, it installed the photos app. So I fired it up for a minute, and um, it looked fine. I didn't really dig below the surface. But one thing I did notice straight away is that it didn't sync all my photos. Hmm. And I thought, hmm, that's a bit strange. So I looked, I picked up my um, my iPhone, and I had a look at the photos on there. I could see where it stopped. Uh, and the phone said, uh, syncing, uh, and it showed the number of uh, items that were left to sync, and it was like 25, 25 items, something like that. And I looked at it, and I, then I, I walked away and left it. I came back half an hour later, and it hadn't moved any further on. It's just not syncing. And that's why Photos on the Mac has not got all my photos in it. And I have no idea how to fix this. I've turned syncing off, turned it back on. I've rebooted the phone. Um, I've done everything I can think of. I've even done some more wacky things that um, people who talk on the web about having encountered this problem have suggested, such as deleting a single photo or, uh, you know, plugging it into your Mac and offloading some photos and then loading them back in. And I've tried all of this kind of rubber chicken stuff and nothing appears to make it work. So at the moment, photo syncing on all my devices is broken and I have no idea how to fix it. Hmm. Which is yeah. Not I just great. I just used my I just I haven't even looked at my photos app on the iPhone yet. Now I did upgrade the one on, you know, ten ten three. Yeah. And it only picked up like the last month of photos until I pointed it at the iPhotos library that I wanted it to use, and it forgets half the time. Mm. So then I have to repoint it, and that's kind of annoying. 
But right now, I'm looking at all my photos on my phone. Yeah, it's I didn't have uh, iCloud turned on, so it's doing that now, oh. which means it's going to probably destroy my bandwidth. No, it's only... No, see, this is only updating what's on my phone. Yeah. So mine's not working so, so right either. One thing I've heard is that apparently if you have a big iPhoto library and, I do. and you turn on photos and you import them all, um, then it, it will com- quite happily destroy your bandwidth as it uses all of it to upload if that's the cloud. Yeah. Uh, which is... I can under. You can understand in one way why they want to do that. They want them to get them synced as quickly as possible. But on the other hand, basically blitzing your internet connection, not a great thing to do, Apple. Mm, Don't. No, not really. Speaking of which, I have internet at home now. Yeah? Is that what you're at right now? It got got in, No, no, I'm, I'm in the office right now. But um, it got installed at, went on Wednesday while I wasn't at home. Um, and... We were told we. My wife asked the guy about because obviously we went, as I mentioned before, we went from being on fiber, a product called BT Infinity in, here in the UK, which was giving me 78 megabits down uh, hmm. connection, to um, a simple DSL line which gives me six megabits down. <laughs> and you do kind of notice it anytime you're doing anything that involves downloading. Syncing my podcast to my podcast app used to be a virtually instantaneous process. Now it takes about three four minutes uh but most of the time it's okay um and and i'll tell you what it's certainly nice to have the internet back after uh a week and a half two weeks of just having 3g connection yeah yeah i would think so yeah uh, i just i'm looking at a pair of headphones my kids have been using and you know the little y splitter in the apple headphones where it yeah. goes from one wire to two yeah. the wires are literally pulled out and frayed right there so i'm going to throw this pair away thankfully i've yeah. got like 20 pair of these stupid headphones all over the place yeah um, Dorothy Yamamoto at Tiger Bright on Twitter when I was talking about the helpfulness of the Apple Store experience she says um, level of Apple retail quality is diluting have experienced mixed bag of knowledge and helpfulness well you, you experienced that a few weeks ago didn't you yeah in yeah Detroit so that that kind of tallies with it and the problem with, with all of that is that you know it's, it's like going it's like going to McDonald's sometimes you'll have a great experience by somebody who's really enthused about their job and really wants to do do well and is really interested in in you know they just might have uh, have be having a good day and all that and they you know you get you get exemplary service and other times you'll get somebody who's just having a bad day or just doesn't want the job or whose girlfriend just split up with him or something like that and you the service will be terrible and you have no rhyme or reason why and i guess it's the same in the apple store unfortunately well i mean you when know, you these employ, guys are human yeah well when you employ that many people not everybody's going to be a quality employee i mean yeah. that's just and i do know that the turnover in the apple stores is a lot higher now than they used to be yeah. so it's unfortunate, but it's kind of the side effect of being extremely popular, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and successful. And, and the, the, I would still say, hopefully, nine times out of ten, if you have a problem in the Apple Store, if you speak to a manager, the managers are very good at sorting things out. Yeah, uh, and and also as well that I would still maintain they have a higher than average level of of better employees. I, I was in there a couple of weeks ago uh, on the business matter uh, and I had some personal stuff to do as well. I had a booking at the Genius Bar I wanted to try on the Apple Watch um, and after we finished the meeting the guy said, said oh, uh, you know, uh, are you, are you, do you have anything else to do here in the here, here in the mall? 
and I mentioned I had these things to do there in the store. And he said, okay, well, let me, let me go and uh, see if we can get those appointments moved up so, so we can get you sorted straight away. And, um, you know, he went round with me and he interacted with the with the staff with me and, and um, you know, kind of made sure that I got, got seen okay. And it, it was a, a brilliant experience. And, uh, you know, so it just goes shows your mileage always varies. I agree. I, no question on my end at all about that. I think you're absolutely right. And uh, they probably don't get enough credit, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah. what are you going to do? <laughs> right? Exactly, yeah. Uh, how do I? Oh, I do that. So, a <clears throat> couple things. Uh, as I mentioned, I went from my 27-inch iMac, which the graphic card died in it. Of course, it was working the last time I used it, but I don't trust it at all. To my 15-inch MacBook Pro, which is what I usually u- had been using to record podcasts and it'd go on the road with me. And, of course, I can't use a 15-inch screen all day long. It's it's just too small. So that's I not, is that, That's not a retina machine, is it? No, it's not. It's not no. Even if it was a retina, it's just too... The screen physical size is just too small. So... I uh, I've got an Asus 27 inch external monitor. It's around a $800 monitor. It's nice. I mean, it, it, yeah. the picture is fantastic. Unfortunately, when I first got it, I didn't realize it didn't have Mini uh, DisplayPort in. It just has DisplayPort in, as well as you know, um, uh, 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 HDMI. HDMI. So I have a mini DisplayPort adapter to HDMI, so I just plugged it in that way at first. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was terrible. Uh, the resolution at 1080p is just not good. You can't use a 1080p screen that's 27 inches right there in front of you. Everything is kind of bloated and not very crisp. So was that that wasn't the native resolution of the monitor? No, it's not at all. Right. Okay. Well, H- HDMI won't support anything above 1080p. Is that the limitation? No, you can go higher, but it doesn't really help much uh, because it's just it, it, everything still looks kind of fuzzy. Oh, um, well, what? I mean, it's meant to be a digital connection. Why would it be fuzzy? I don't. Uh, it didn't look good. Understand. Yeah. I, fuzzy is the only way I can describe it compared yeah. to my iMac. Yeah. So I went and bought on Amazon a uh, mini DV to DV cable. And plug that right. in, and now I'm getting a uh, 2560 by 144, right? Uh, and it's and the colors are there, the crispness is there. It's it's an amazing looking monitor. I do miss the glossiness of the iMac though, <laughs> just a little funny? bit. Because when they first started bringing out glossy screens, we all went, "Well, Apple Apple screens have always been best because they're matte." And no, well, I never said that. I never said people did though. A lot of people did, but I kind of held my. I thought I don't know. You know, if it's glossy, I think I might like that. And then as soon as I saw that first iMac with the glossy screen, absolutely, I was sold. And then the glossy screen on my MacBook Pro, I like that a lot too. Yeah, well, I'm I'm on a MacBook Pro here, and I'm sat with a window behind me. It's an overcast day, Um, so I can see my reflection in the screen, and I can see the reflection in the window. The thing is. The the pro- people complain about that. It, it, yeah, if you're a graphics professional or you do photo work, it's important. But for the rest of us, your brain just blocks it out after a minute or two. Yeah, you just look past it. You do, uh, and so it's not so- uh, a slight little edit there because as we were recording, I hit the fifteen thirty marker ish, and I got the GarageBand error that I haven't seen in years. Your disc can't handle the speed. It's the disc is too slow. Can't write. 
which I don't know if it was because GarageBand is on an external hard drive, which is a very fast 7200 RPM, three terabyte drive, connected via FireWire 800. Oh, yeah, the performance of that should be terrible. <laughs> or <clears throat> because I was actually writing the file to the internal SSD, which... The performance of that is going to suck, too. Yeah, that's going to be horribly slow. Oh, Tim, why are you using such crappy hardware? So what I did was I actually copied the old version of GarageBand, which is like 250 megabytes, over to the internal SSD and relaunched GarageBand and picked up the file and just started recording. Weird. I don't know why it did that. Maybe it just well, GarageBand doesn't like. Re- frustrating thing about GarageBand is that you could run GarageBand on a G4 under Tiger, Tiger or Panther, right? And it never did any of this. No, <laughs> I haven't had a problem with GarageBand in a long time though. The nice thing was though, it gave me that warning and stopped recording, but it just didn't quit out of it and lose everything. So I'll just keep an eye on it. I, I've usually got it to the forefront, anyways. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, I really like this monitor. Um, it, it's a, uh, let me see, it's an Asus PB two seventy eight. Yeah, we're um, we're looking at Asus monitors for our new office. It goes up and down too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I yeah like we, it. we 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 uh, we basically looked at what was available in the market for cheaper because we didn't want to get Apple monitors. No, uh, they're expensive we, for what you yeah, get. In, we need well, not only that. Again, that's another thing that hasn't been updated in ages. Um, and uh, we were looking at, at kind of what the best best bang for your buck in terms of twenty four inch widescreen monitors were for the to plug into the laptops. So, uh, I would say Asus or Dell. Yeah, well, that that's a conclusion we came to. Yeah, um, and, I had to uh, call me David. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my first rodeo, brother. <laughs> no. <I don't> <laughs> No, they're good monitors, you know? I mean, at the end of the day, as long as you're getting a, a nice, crisp, color-accurate, um, it, it, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I do miss the glossiness, but, you know, after five minutes of watching something, like if I'm watching a video, you don't even think, you know, this isn't glossy. You don't care. It's just working fine for you. One of the things, though, I, this kind of bugs me a little bit. And again, I'm going from mini display port to display port, so I should have the full range of different sizes of resolution for the monitor. But it's only giving me three choices, 720p, 1080p, or 2560 by 1440. Which is presumably the native resolution. Right, but why isn't the Mac OS or the monitor giving me the option to change it? Hell, I, I could change the resolution on the on the... MacBook Pro screen from 1440 by 900 all the way to 1024 by 640. I've got four choices over there, and I've only got three on this big monitor. So you've, and that's that's when you you when you press the the button for scaled. Yes. So that and those are the three that I got. Oh, so I can only presume is because whatever chipset's in that monitor is not is not communicating nicely with the Apple hardware. Yep. And so Yosemite is protecting you from yourself by giving you three choices. I think that's probably... But, uh, yeah. <laughs> got a theme here, haven't we? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. So, but still, it is it is what it is. What are you going to do, right? Well, the thing you're going to do, if you don't like it, switch the windows. But that's a whole mess of different problems. You're, all, you're, all you're doing if you do that is changing one set of problems for another. Let's talk about Windows for a minute, David. You yeah. sent me a link 
Or no, I sent you the link. Yeah. Uh, a couple of shows ago, maybe, oh, I guess it was back in January at this point, we were talking about the little Intel stick. Mm, it's just yeah. an, an HDMI plug that you put in the back of a monitor or a TV. In my case, I would just put it in the back of the Asus. Yeah. Uh, you got to run USB power to it. And then you have either a Linux or a Windows 8.1 machine. Now, it yep. is a little stick, so it's not going to have the most storage. I think it's got two gigabytes or something like that. It's not the fastest processor. Yeah, uh, it's, an, it's an Bay Trail, which is the yeah. same processor I have in my HP Stream 7 tablet. Yep. So I, I kind of uh, I read the reviews, and I wasn't surprised to see some of the complaints about performance because I, I've seen that myself, though. Yep. I don't find my tablet unusable, and I would imagine most people wouldn't find this unusable unless they'll be doing big things on it. Well, I actually have been talking to a guy at Intel about this because mm -hmm. he's been trying. He was given a, a very, very limited supply for review units. Now, yeah. it, this thing's only what one hundred twenty bucks, hundred hundred bucks, something like that. That was one hundred fifty. And I've got to bucks. say, actually, that's that's my real problem with it. Is not is not the performance. It's not the form factor. Is that it's fact one hundred fifty dollars because you can get the tablet I just talked about. For $100, mm -hmm. and that's a tablet with a screen and a battery and other things in it. And to me, uh, if Intel wants this to take off, it's got to be at least price competitive with the, the nearest tablet. Bear in mind, the internal is virtually the same. Right. So he's yeah. trying to get us a review unit. Mm -hmm. um, but Intel has kind of, you know, his bosses has tied his hand by how many he could send out. And he's already sent out the first batch. So we were going back and forth. And he says, you know, I'm a little surprised that the reviews are a little bit more positive. And uh, it doesn't seem like anybody really understands who this is made for. And I actually pointed back to that podcast that we did in January. And I said, listen to this and you'll understand exactly where your marketing should be on this. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we hit it right on the head. It's for a casual user who only needs to use it occasionally for a specific thing. It's not a gaming device. It's nothing like that. It's, yeah. hey, I've got this spreadsheet at work. I'm a Mac user at home. Um, or I've got a, you know, my computer's really old, but I need a newer version of Windows to run on here. Mm. Uh, I can just plug this in, do my work, email it to myself, or use OneBox or Dropbox or whatever, and uh, I'm done. I unplug the stick or switch to the other input, and I don't have to think about it again. That's who it's designed for. And... I don't know what they're really going to do or even if they're going to do any kind of marketing, but that's what they need to focus on. And I think it would be a pretty successful product if, like you said, the price comes down a little bit. But even for 150 yeah. bucks, that's that's really not I know, much. I know it's not a lot of money for a computer. Don't get me wrong. And bearing in mind, most people have the screen nowadays because they have a, a panel TV. Yeah. I mean, this is this is an ideal sort of thing if you, you know, if you're. You want to give your uh, you want to give the grandparents a computer so they can Skype and, and yeah absolutely and, uh, and read email and that sort of thing. Um, it's perfect for that. And well, I don't know about Skype. How do you get video into this thing, uh, or even audio for that matter? You would have to use. It has a USB port in it, doesn't it? It does, but that's what you use to power it. Does it only have one? Mm, that I don't know. Maybe it does have two. Oh, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's... But it does have Bluetooth, so you could get yeah. a Bluetooth solution. Yeah, uh, there are... But you start adding are. up all these little things, Dave, and all of a sudden you're at a $200 device, yeah, and hell, you could have got them a $200 laptop. Okay. All right, so Skype isn't a good use case, but certainly for people who want to do a bit of email, maybe, you know, 
into, uh, like like things on their grandkids. If you want Facebook your grand, yeah, exactly. If you want yeah. your grandpa grandparents on Facebook, you buy them a cheap little USB mouse and keyboard, and this, plug, and plug it into their TV, yep. and they, then they kind of know what to do. And the, there is something about having a computing device that fits into things they're familiar with, that people are familiar with. I if agree. You, you want to get over the kind of the, uh, you know, you, whereas you put a tablet in somebody's hands and it's like, well, you know, oh, what do I do? I'm worried about breaking it. And, yep. You know, they're kind of used to interacting with the TV. Yep. So anyways, that's that was a fun conversation. I, I think what's interesting about this thing is I'm, I'm seeing the reviews, but they don't seem to be actually promoting it anywhere else. <laughs> no, that's just it. That's what that's kind of what I was talking to them about. I'm like, you know, if I didn't see these reviews pop up, I wouldn't have known this thing was already shipping. Or about to ship. It's, I don't know. Intel, though, to be fair, has never been a consumer company. They've never been that. Well, in that case, release is a reference platform, but get lined up with some of the OEM partners. Get them selling it. Hey, talk to Apple. Yeah. Maybe you include this with the Mac Mini or a MacBook <laughs> Air. It's just a little stick you plug into your Mac, and look, it's got Windows already installed on it. Mm, well, that's not going to happen from Apple. But No, I know. <laughs> Uh, let's take a quick break, David, and uh, we'll be right back. Are you a geek? I guess so. What do you mean you guess so? Prove your geek cred. I don't need to prove myself to you. I'm the new host of the geekiest show ever. We will see about that. Don't you just hate it when droids think they have all the control and don't know their role? You know, they forget that we can turn the power off. Oh no, you can't. Oh, yes, I can. Don't, please. I'll be good. That's better. Nothing worse than artificial intelligence being, well, unintelligent. Head across to iTunes and subscribe to the Geekiest Show Ever podcast, the only show truly dedicated to geekery. Hey, we're back here on Tech Fan Podcast 206. I'm Tim Robertson. He's David Cohen. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my other show uh, that I do for my day job, OWC, Other World Computing, and that is OWC Radio. We released one uh, earlier this week, and it was our post-NAB show. It It was a smaller, shorter podcast this week because I didn't do any interviews. But that being said, David, I don't know if you listened to it yet. I wouldn't expect you to. But... Something happened at, at at NAB that directly related to something we've talked about a few times on this podcast, and that is I was talking to a tech person, a very high-placed tech person, I should say, yeah, uh, with a national sports organization. Yeah, I had I had about that. Okay, you you kept it secret. I did. I. Go ahead. What do you say? I mean, I didn't know who you were talking about at all. You didn't remotely leak who who it was. No, no, not at all. So, yeah, yeah it was the yeah. the point of the conversation. Yeah, they say you're so stealthy. I know. <laughs> the point of the conversation, though, was how they feel about broad broadcasting from your phone with Periscope and Meerkat and stuff like that. And I found it interesting that they're not fighting it. And I think that's not, you know, I, I don't think they're going to do that in your Premier League over there. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. You know, I think that they're, they're a be, very... They'll be at, at the gates with hammers, and as you come in with your smartphone, they'll they smash, smash it. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I'm not a big fan of the sport. 
It's not yeah. my sport at all. But I have to really respect a, a big organization like this that is really taking more of a forward-thinking approach. It's very, very rare. Okay. Yeah, so let me just respond with yeah. my thoughts as I listen to you have that conversation yeah. as you talked about it. Yeah. Okay. And color me skeptical for a minute. But what I heard you say was he said that they'd they'd wrangled over it long and hard before they come to this decision. Yeah. And And that's what worries me because that means that the winds can change inside these organizations on a political basis, depending on the particular agendas of people who are running it at any particular time. So that's, that's the first point. The second point is because they had a debate about it. I can guarantee you that at the moment when, um, Periscope, let's put Meerkat to one side because I think everyone kind of accepts that Meerkat, uh, has been and gone in, in the two weeks. It was popular before Periscope launched. Yeah. Um, uh, but but, but uh, while Periscope remains a niche thing that only a few geeks know about, they're perfectly happy to be all cool, the kids with it. If everyone in the stadium is Periscoping, they're going to have a very different attitude. And, Maybe. and uh, the problem is, is that if Periscope becomes success and becomes a thing, and we've seen this before, you know, everyone thought YouTube was cute when it first started. And then before you know it, the DMCA was being put through Congress. There um, is that. You know that unfortunately, that is the reality. Is that is that any organisation can be quite uh, accommodating of anything while they think it's not a threat, but if they see everybody starting to do it, all of a sudden they become a little bit more cagey. Uh, and I, I do believe that fundamentally they are going to resist this, um, and they're going to they're going to keep pushing back on it. Now it could be as, it could be that they're taking a cautious approach because they they're saying well. Let's see if it takes off because it might be a storm in a teacup. And like many things that come and go in the tech industry, um, this thing may go nowhere and become the, um, you know, the MySpace of, of tomorrow. Could be. Um, so uh, you know, who knows? But I, I, while I, I, I applaud them for the stance they're taking now. I have little faith in that stance being something that's written in stone and and that will never change forevermore. Well, let's find uh, out what happens in the future. We'll we'll revisit it as you know, news yeah, uh, comes out of what these sports organizations' approaches are. Yeah, I'd also be interested to hear from any list. I, I still haven't really played with Periscope that much. I'd be interested to hear from any listeners who think there is a a genuine use case for using it at a sports game. Well, I know John, I was listening to John Gruber's the talk show, and he actually did it from uh, I believe a Yankees game. Yeah, and. Uh, it was no big deal. They didn't. Nobody came no. up and said stop doing that. Or but I'm just wondering about how you actually. Use, what's the best way of using it in practice? Because obviously, if if people are going to start doing this, they have to find a way that makes sense for people to watch the broadcast. Well, here you go. Here's uh, here, I, here's I, your I use it's, case. It's going to be more than just you know, yanking out your phone and holding it up in front of you like a selfie and and taking pictures, taking what? video. I'm sure it's going to be a bit more involved than that. Well, here's a use case scenario. Let's. You know, because John Gruber did this at a Yankees game, we'll use baseball as yeah. an example. They have uh, this MLB app, which, again, I, I, I'm not a baseball fan, mm -hmm. but I know a good app when I see one, and I've heard enough people using it. It's a fantastic app. It's like the best sports app for a, a, a pro league anywhere. It, it is kind of the, the torchbearer of that, right? Mm -hmm. So 
let's say they build in Periscope inside the MLB app. It's it's just part of it. It's still called Periscope and everything. Ties to your Twitter account and all that. <clears throat> you launch it. It geotags where you're at, and you can broadcast. Anybody else on the MLB app can see it. They can they can go to that team or that game, and they can see that. Oh, look! There's a little button here. It says Periscopes. You click it, and there's a a bunch of feeds that you could choose and start watching. So. Since you're using it, it's going to your Twitter feed. Your friends can see where you are. They can see some of the shots. There's a two-way conversation that's going on. Hey, do they still have these kind of T-shirts? I don't know. Let's go over here. Is it this one? No. Is it that one? No. Um, So that could happen. Uh, If they build it in the app itself, MLB, I think it opens it up to fans in general. And I'll be honest with you. If this was the NFL and it's game day, and the NFL had an app that was comparable and had something like this built in, I would totally be pulling out my iPad and seeing what people are shooting during the commercial breaks, during the mm-hmm. timeouts. I would totally be doing that. I think that would it would enhance my experience at, at home. And for those in the, stu- in the stadium, they can see that, oh, look, there's 50 people, there's 500 people, there's 5,000 people watching what I'm shooting right now. This is cool. It's going to encourage them to do it. So I think the use case is very simple. The problem is getting the major sports organizations on board because it's not a simple thing that I just described. No. But they could do it, and it would be beneficial to them. The The broadcast itself could actually be pulling up some of the feeds. You have to have, like, you know, a five-second delay because people are going to be people. Yeah. Uh, but they could... They could go to that. Oh, let's see what's going on in such and such section. Boom! There you go. It's live. There. Hey, wouldn't, look at that. Wouldn't wouldn't those if if, if the MLB or NFL were going to do that? Wouldn't they write their own stuff in their own app rather than using Twitter's? Why? Why do they need to go to the expense of of, of developing their own software? Why not partner with Twitter? And on Twitter's end, it's a win-win. It's their technology. It's their software. It's getting broadcast out to their services. That means more users yeah. on their service. It's a win-win. And then the NFL, Major League Soccer, any of these places, they don't have to invest the infrastructure to build yeah. something that already exists. But but let's face it. These are businesses that primarily run off. Um, they use the, the sports as a sideshow for the advertising. Yes. So, but, they, but, they're that, so their advertisers are going to say, hang on a minute. Why are you uh, – why are you uh, – Where's our cut the broadcast rights from broadcasting Periscope? I I just I don't I, from a business point of view I just don't see that working. I do. The, the, what's more likely is that people are going to just run Periscope on their devices yep. and they're going to go to the games and they're going to run it up. And at that point, I think if if thirty forty percent of the crowd is doing that and while the game is being played and so inadvertently or or on purpose, gameplay footage is being broadcast. I think. Even the most enlightened of uh, sports franchise business is going to come down on that and say, "This is a threat to our broadcast rights. This is a threat to look." Take suppose there's something controversial that happens in game. Yeah, say yeah. Look, look look at the look at the the Super Bowl. Right, we had the controversial play right at the end of the last game of the Super Bowl, last play of the Super Bowl. Now, when that was reported after it happened. How much of the footage that was used for to back up the reporting was footage taken by people who shot that play on their mobile phone in the stadium versus um, the uh, versus the, uh, the the 
proper footage from the from the broadcaster. It was all from the broadcaster. But the thing is, the people reporting on that game had to pay for the rights to broadcast that footage. So what's going to happen is, if all of a sudden you have, instead of uh, a few um, offline camera moments that you have to go to YouTube or you have to go and you know put out a thing on Twitter saying, does anyone have footage of this incident or whatever? Yeah, all of a sudden it's available live. And the 24-hour news guys who love to show that sort of stuff because it gives their footage an immediacy, yep. all of a sudden they're going to say, oh, you know what we need to do? We, have a, we need to have a gang of guys who uh, anything major we think where there might be anything newsworthy going on, we have to have them watching Twitter uh, and watching the Periscope fees, and then we need to capture any of that Periscope stuff. And then we can use that to say, well, we've, we've got this. It's poor quality and all that, but at least you can see what happened, and we'll have more on this later. And as soon as that happens, then immediately the franchise, the franchise organisation is going to go, oh, no, 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 that's compromising our business. Well, that's our income. Uh, and they're going to shut it down. Oh, and they good will point. Use, they'll, they'll use whatever technical or legal um, uh, attitude at their disposal to do that, I and, think. And they still won't stop it. At the end of the day, uh, I think I, that's no, kind no, of... I know you, can't, I know you can't, put, can't put the genie back in the bottle, Mm-mm. but... Um, but yes, you can. Anybody who's determined to do that, they will. They will always find a way. But I think their their enlightened policy that you discussed on OWC Radio, I think you'll see that will disappear. I agree. That's just my view. So we'll we'll see how it plays out. I agree that uh, those are all good points, and I, I look forward to seeing what happens. I, I'm very interested in this. Uh, our topic for this week, our big topic, we're going to get to in a minute, and which is if your Mac dies. What do you replace it with? We posted this on the MyMac and the at TechFanPodcast Twitter feeds and uh, got some really interesting responses. I'm kind of surprised at what some of these are. Uh, We're going to get to that in a few minutes. But last week, David, remember, uh, we got a question from uh, Nathan Bargate on Twitter. We did. And he asked, you know, uh, his his Windows question. Do you remember what that was? was He was was saying... Um, that he, he should he should he go should he go out and buy a Windows license now by his university because that would allow him to get the free upgrade to Windows 10 yep. even though he hates Windows 8.1 and doesn't want to use it right uh, and so so uh, Nathan and I had had a bit of conversation on Twitter about this and um, because your recommendation last week was to get a OEM version of Windows yeah, and yeah, we right. were remiss in not yes. explaining. What OEM is. <laughs> and not just for Nathan, but for a lot of people no, who are listening, people, they probably yeah. thought, Why, what is... Yeah. Now, if you look at what OEM stands for, if you just do a quick Google search, it's Original Equipment Manufacturer. Yeah. So when we say OEM version, it sounds like we're saying regular Windows, but that's... You, you buy the retail version of Windows, but that's actually not is, what we're saying. This is the arcane way that <laughs> Windows is licensed. Um, so effectively, when you buy a new computer you normally get an, what's called an OEM copy of Windows with that. So when you buy a new computer and it comes with Windows installed, the the retailer of that computer has not paid Microsoft the full retail price that you pay in a store for Windows. They pay an OEM Pennies price. Pennies on a dollar. Yeah, well, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I, I, think, it, I think it's a little bit it's, – it's, it's more than what most people think it is, but it's less than what um, – it's far less than what you would pay for. It's a, a lot less than it used to be now. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and I want to come on to that in a minute because that's an important point. Um, so, so yeah, so effectively, but the reason it's called OEM is is the idea is you have to be 
as as the thing the term says an original equipment manufacturer you have to be supplying that copy of windows with a piece of equipment uh, and normally in the in the you know people expect that to be a pc right. so that's how it was in the old days back in the windows 95 days you bought a pc and you bought an oem license and then you sold that as a bundle to your customer and so they got a pc pre-installed with windows and that's still how most people get windows yep. the number of people who actually go out to a store or go online and download a copy of windows and pay money for that license is vanishingly small yes because absolutely when they want the new version of Windows, go out and buy a new computer, and they get it with that. And that is kind of how how most people do it. And it, you know, even nowadays, I mean, remember Apple used to charge for OS ten, and now they don't. Now they it's bundled with a computer, but you can get a free free version if you have qualifying hardware. It's a very similar kind of principle. So um, what we said was. Go out and buy an OEM copy of Windows. What does that mean? It didn't necessarily mean go out and buy a new computer. But you can get OEM licensing by selling a piece of hardware. It doesn't have to be a computer. There always has been a little bit of wiggle room in Microsoft licensing agreements such that you could sell a mouse and then pay the OEM price for Windows. As long as I, I got could- a copy of Windows 95 exactly yeah, that way online. Exactly. I bought a mouse for $14.99 that came with an OEM version of Windows 95. Yeah. Now, what what? Transpired- I mean, I wasn't buying the mouse. That's not really what That's I wanted. Right. Yeah. What what transpired from the discussion with Nathan on Twitter is that actually what he wanted to do was run his copy of Windows in a virtual machine on his Mac. Now that's when it starts to get a little bit murky. Yeah. Because in the with the certainly in the way it used to be, the very strict letter of the OEM license was that it was tied to the hardware you purchased with it. So therefore, you weren't allowed to take it to a different computer and run it in a virtual machine. In fact, back in the bad old days of like Windows 98 and stuff, it was actually hard-coded to your hard drive. You could right. not take your copy of Windows that came with your HP Pavilion and put it on a gateway machine. You couldn't do it. And it, it would not yeah. allow you to do it. Nowadays, Windows has activation, and I have seen this before myself, even with my formerly licensed copies of Windows that, that I actually purchased, in that sometimes you'll install it into a virtual machine, uh, and it goes to the activation server, and it sees it's been registered on different hardware before, and it will then prompt you and say, well, you need to call us, yep. um, because we can't activate. And what happens when you call is they go through a process where they validate your license key. It's all automated. And then at one point, there's a question that says, is this copy of Windows installed on just this computer or anywhere else? Uh, and normally what you say is, no, it's just here. No, and then here. they go, okay. Yeah, because what they don't want you to do is take an OEM copy and then install, hundred, install it on hundreds of machines. Right, they're trying to there avoid are- exactly what we kind of told Nate to do. <laughs> well, not, not not so much. There have been place. There have been times in the past where manufacturers go out and buy one OEM copy and install that same copy on all of their computers, so they're not paying anything for the Windows licenses. And that's what actually Microsoft is trying to prevent. Um, strictly speaking, the original license agreements that up until Windows Seven had limits on what you could do, and you weren't really allowed to virtualize it at all. Nowadays, there are a lot more lacks about that, and in, and I believe I think I haven't kept up with what it is because Windows licensing is incredibly difficult to understand. So I don't know what it what the latest attitude is with Windows Eight, but they're not going to come knocking on the door for you no. if you if you have an OEM license and you put it in a VM, they will probably just activate it and you'll be fine. And if they activate it, they have authorized 
advise you to use it. Yep. If they don't activate it, then you call them up, you run through the automated service, and they will activate it that way, and then you can still use it. So it's not a big deal. And I know very much from what I'm hearing about Windows 10 is Microsoft is becoming even l- more relaxed about this because they want they recognize Windows 8 hasn't been successful, and they want to get as many copies of Windows 10 on as many machines as possible. Because nowadays, Microsoft's strategy is not as Windows-focused as it was. They want you to be buying their other services, Office, Office 365, OneDrive, all the other things they do, Microsoft Azure, all of these these add-on services is where they actually really make most of their money now. And I now. think what's going to happen, David, quite honestly, is they're saying Windows 10 is free for yeah. you know, a year and a half or something like that. Eventually, it's just going to be free. They're yeah. not even going to charge you for it. You can go to Microsoft.com and download Windows 10 free at any time you want. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Hold on, David. I've got a part of last week's conversation coming up in my GarageBand file, and I need to stop recording and delete that so we yeah. don't have any problems because I didn't delete it before we started recording. So hold on one second. And just like that, whammo, bambo, thank you, and we're good to go. So anyways, that, that's what we meant by OEM. Yeah. Uh, there's still places on the Internet that you can get OEM versions of Windows, but just be careful, yeah. you know, because you can't really tell by just looking at a site if it's legitimate or it's some kind of a, a Chinese Russian hacker site that is, it looks completely legitimate, but the version of Windows that they give you is full of malware. Or, or alternatively, it's a cloned license and it won't activate yep. after you've paid the money, which is another good scam as well. Yep. Um, there are also non-legal ways of getting Windows. There are activators and things like that out there. Don't be tempted by those because most of yep. those also will install a nice choice piece of malware along with the activator. So, um, again, that's not something you want to do. What I, I, what I would advise Nathan to do, I have advised him this, is, is you know go out and buy something cheap. Either look at an OEM license or uh, alternatively get something cheap with it on that that Stream 7 I'm, I mentioned before. I think I talked about this last week. It's a tablet. It's running Windows 8. That will give you a valid license. That machine will upgrade, update to Windows 10 when it's released. Uh, and if you want to use that license key to install it on your VM, I'm quite sure that Microsoft will not get all bent out of shape over it. Absolutely. So hopefully that ha- helped, Nate. Um the best offer we or that's the best advice we can give hey beginning of every episode of tech fan and my mac for for that matter david we play music Mm. and both tech fan and my mac plays music written and performed uh for those shows by musician named kevin reeves now i believe we've had kevin on tech fan but it's probably been a long time yeah Uh, i've had him on owc radio he was on my mac a couple times uh, I'm friends with him on Twitter and Facebook, uh, and you know he's a musician, and that's what that's what he does for a living. So, for us to be able to play original music, you know, I, when people listen to Tech Fan, the beginning of it, that's our theme song, that's our music. We own it; it's it's ours. I actually paid Kevin money to record that for us, and he, to be honest, he nailed it on the first try. Which yeah. I knew he probably would because he'd also done the same thing for the MyMac show. And they're still using that music after all these years. I mean, it's been close to nine years at this point. I think for the first couple of years, we didn't use it um, <clears throat> at MyMac. But 
Kevin Reeves music plays in front of two of the shows in this network. So I'm on Facebook last night, David. Uh huh. And I see a post from Kevin Reeves about seven minutes prior that says, Hey, anybody in Batter Creek can give us a right, give, give me and a friend a ride to Kalamazoo. Well, I live in Battle Creek. Uh-huh. So I reached out to Kevin, and I actually met Kevin Reeves last night in person as I drove him from the Battle Creek bus station back to his apartment in Kalamazoo. Cool. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah, very cool. So shout out to so, Kevin Reeves, yeah. and thanks again for the music. <laughs> did, he, did he have the cash for the Uber fare? <laughs> no. I, you know, <laughs> he wanted to give me some gas money, and I refused. I mean, when a friend's in trouble, you just help. Oh, it's absolutely. Not, you know. Yeah. It's just a little bit of gas. Who cares? It's it. You know, it was an hour and a half, maybe two hours of my time, and uh, I was happy to help him and his lady friend. What happened was they were supposed to get off in Kalamazoo, and some people on the train on Amtrak was trying to sneak into the food cart, mm-hmm. and and they weren't supposed to be in there because their ticket didn't allow them to go in there and get food. And they yeah. went. They were moving so slowly and stealthily that they couldn't get around them. Now Kevin's blind, completely blind. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it takes him a little bit longer to get off a train like that. And these people were blocking the way that he couldn't get off. And so as they got to the exit, the doors closed and the train started moving. The next exit was Battle Creek. So they got off in Battle Creek and were pretty much stuck. And uh, that's where I saw his his, uh, post on Facebook and uh, reached out to him and, you know, went and picked him up and took him home. Cool. It was fun. It was nice to meet. I, I, I've talked to Kevin, you know, like I said, a, a dozen times, right? Yeah. To having having known someone for that long, to actually hear the voice sitting right next to you was kind of cool. I like yeah. that. So I, w- I played Uber last night. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I sent you a link. This, was, uh, this will be the last thing we talk about before we get to our main topic, by the way. I sent you this link. It's a little Easter egg in Google Maps. This isn't user-generated. This is from Google. And yeah, the, the link is in, uh, well, at least real close to Islamabad, uh, east yeah. of Kashmir in the Pakistan region. And there are some graphics there, David. There is. There's a, um, I'm presuming this isn't like the Nazca lines of South America or the Barringer Crater or anything like this. This isn't a landscape feature that Google has diligently transcribed onto their maps. I'd certainly hope not that the good people of Pakistan have not carved this into the earth, but it appears to be a large Android um, robot, the kind of the green Android. The logo for Android. Logo, yeah. And it um, seems to be urinating on an apple that appears to be next to it. You know, we've had these things in the United States for years. You always see them on the back of some guy's big Chevy truck, and it's doing that on a Ford logo, or the Chrysler is yeah. doing it on the Chevy. Or uh, I've always hated them. They've been crass and just kind of yuck. I was kind of disappointed to see this, not because I'm a fan of Google or Apple or anything like that. These are big companies, and this is kind of gross. Well, all right. Let's play devil's advocate here. I can see a scenario where somebody in the Google Maps team thought this was hilariously funny to bury it in Google Maps, thinking that, oh, let's put it in Pakistan. Nobody uses Google Maps there. Nobody will ever see it, but we know it's there. Ha, ha, ha. 
And, I'm sure that's uh, exactly know, what happened. May, maybe it was a uh, late afternoon after a, a long lunch where liquid was imbibed and something like that, and they kind of thought it would be a little bit funny. Well, I'm going to put and, a link to and, this in yeah. our show notes. If you want to uh, see this yourself, go to techfanpodcast.com, go to show 26, and there will be a link there for the Google Maps. Click it, and you'll see it for yourself. Put it this way, it's hard to imagine that there was a, a board meeting where Eric Schmidt no. put a rubber stamp on this. Saying, That's the thing. Yeah, it, this is not leadership that did this, David. But this is, Yeah, this is, not, this is not a policy. But, but this is on the first front page of, of Engadget. Uh, well, I think the problem is is that you know Google is, a, uh, is a, a particularly a company full of engineers and nerds, and this is very much a kind of a, a juvenile engineer nerd prank. Yeah. No, still I, I, I don't get me wrong. I, I say that as a nerd. You know, I think in my younger days, I might have, might have thought I probably wouldn't have ever done anything like this. But I would might have thought it was funnier than I think think of it now. Now I'm a bit older and wiser, a bit more seasoned. Yeah. Um. And it, and to me, you look at it and you just it's think, crap. oh, that's a, that's really rather. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's it lacks class and it's extremely infantile. Um. But it we'll is see what it is. What, see if somebody gets um somebody gets fired over it or um. Admonished at the, at the very. I, I don't. I don't want to see anybody get fired for it, but they, some there should be a write up involved. Yeah, certain, certainly, certainly, some sort of discipline to make people learn from the experience in a positive way. Uh, having said that, this is going to, you know, it's, it's all over the internet now, so it's going to be pretty embarrassing for Google. Absolutely. Um, last week, I talked about my 27 inch iMac dying and my conundrum: do I fix it or not? And at this point, I pretty much decided not. I mean, it's it's a 2009. It's either a 2009 or a 2007. I think it's a 2009. Yeah, it is. So it's six years old. Graphic card's bad. You got to disassemble everything. Uh, you need a big workspace. Just, uh, blah, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so we discussed that. And I did get your message there, David. Yeah. And John Nemo sent an email and he said uh, good coverage in last week's show uh, Gaz has, bes- has been discussing this for months also Gaz being Gaz on the MyMac show when my trusty geezer Mac Pro croaks based on Tim's comments I will be not getting a trash can update instead I'll get either a 27 inch iMac or a 15 inch MacBook Pro both of which I can use with my existing monitors it's it's not about money for professionals. It's about performance and reliability. Peripherals are here to stay. Fooey. What do other listeners think? And I thought, you know, that's a really good question, John. Mm. So I posted this on Twitter, David. Yeah. And uh, we got a half dozen, a little bit more. Yeah. So let's go over these quickly and see what the tech fan listeners that replied to me on Twitter had to say. The first one is uh, David Hepburn. Mm-hmm. So he at- says... At D Hepburn, so he he's going with the uh, iMac Retina 5K mm-hmm. with RAM from uh, from OWC <laughs> Mac sales, of course. <laughs> uh, Guy Sura responded, yeah. responded with the best one that the the one best suited for your needs. Gee, thanks, Guy. That's helpful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, at at Ron, which is Ronnie, said a new iMac with the Retina 5K display. So he's with with. David on that. Yep. I guess yep. the, the only thing with the, the iMac is a, a very, very fine machine. Um, you can argue the toss about whether the Retina one is perhaps slightly overpriced. Certainly, the iMac of today is considerable to definitely the entry-level uh, power, uh, 
power max of of yesterday uh, i would say you know they're they're extremely powerful but the problem is you still got that all in one machine five years time it could go wrong just the same way this one has at least with the mac pro you could swap the graphics card next one is from dj kibbles and bits <laughs> Love I, like that. That. Yeah. I had to i had to sound it out in my head before i said it yeah. i'm like what the heck is all these letters and he says, been thinking about this a lot lately. Uh, my Power Mac G5 went kaput. I'd go with a 27-inch non-retina iMac. Yeah. I, I mean, he's, he's right there. The, the non-retina iMacs are certainly great machines as well. Um, same problems as, as with the retina one in that you could, could be stuck with a, a machine that's broken in a few years' time too. Um, but again, you know, all of these machines, these modern machines are so powerful. Yep. And the 27-inch screen really is beautiful on, on that. Donnie Yankelo at RT Teacher. By the way, I still have to redo that interview. I felt so bad of recording over that last time. Ticked me off. Yeah. I was thinking about this. Uh, uh, no, let me back up. I don't have my glasses on here. I was thinking about... Oh, it's your turn anyways. Go ahead. Yeah. I was thinking about what I would get the other day. I, I actually think a mini, a Mac Mini with maxed out memory might be enough for me, considering my current work needs and that my 2011 machine does what I need to need it to and is not slow at all so i have a um a 2011 mac mini on my desk is it no someone mine's 2012 with 16 gig of ram in uh and yeah that that's pretty good for me um those machines can do quite a lot they're they're actually i do video conversion stuff like that on it all the time and it's not too bad at all um so you know that's a that's a different route to go the the uh, the only problem with the mac mini is that the latest one is less flexible than the old ones in the that you're you gonna you're gonna run into that with every mac yeah from this re- point moving forward. yeah you can't replace the ram you can't do anything with them so yep. you, you're getting every, it's like you know said it peripherals yeah. are here to say but yeah but you can't upgrade ram with the peripheral unfortunately. you can't you can't so you are looking at build to order for that which yep. is um get the is, mac with the ram that you want now because two years from now you may not be able to do anything with it not without a soldering gun uh yeah. clive hammett at trucker trucker Truck Trekker. Truck Trekker. I'd um, probably go with another mid-range iMac if my 2012 Mac Mini died. Must have 16 gigs of RAM, though. Yep. Mm-hmm. And last one, uh, old friend of the show. Um, he wrote for MyMac for a number of years. Way back, he goes all the way back to the Apple Links days, back when that website was up. Mm. And he says, if my 24 iMac dies, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd replace it with a 27-inch iMac, as fancy as I can get. Got to have an iMac. So it looks like, honestly, yeah. iMacs is the one that kind of yep. is ruling that, here, David. That last one was from John Farr. Uh, good to hear from you again, John. Did I not say his name? It didn't. Well, I, I'm, I, <laughs> I feel chastised now. David, <laughs> uh, wish your wife happy birthday for me, please. It's, no, it's not my wife. It's my daughter, actually. Your daughter. I thought it was my your daughter, wife. My daughter. She's just turned six today. Six and, years old. Uh, That's awesome. Six years old. Bright as a button. And um, yes. Daddy's little to, girl. I have, to, I have to take donuts home. Well, you go take donuts home. We're going to wrap up <laughs> this episode of Tech Fan Podcast. Of course, we'd love to hear back from you. Real easy to get a hold of us. Simply email the show at techfanpodcast.com. You could also go to techfanpodcast.com and leave a message under the show notes there. Or tweet us. Where are we at on Twitter, David? Uh, we are at Tech Fan Podcast. Cool. David, I'll see you next week. See you then. Bye. Bye.